0: Today on the show, we have Tony. He is the co-founder of Intentional Spark, a digital marketing agency with a focus on Facebook and Instagram ads. Intentional Spark has worked with clients across many industries with well-known people like Jasmine. Like us.
1: (laughs) Us, for sure.
0: Uh, ConvertKit, Brooke Castillo. He has a deep knowledge and he definitely is in the trenches. He runs our ads full-time along with many other of his own clients. And today we're talking about what's working.
1: Yeah. If you've been even dipping your toe into the ad space lately, you I'm sure have heard that a lot has changed. And I feel like that's the conversation like every year where everything is changing on the algorithm and Facebook ads, but truly because of some really big Apple changes this year, the game kind of did change. So Tony's kind of going over what those changes actually mean for marketers and for advertisers and his best recommendations for how to not necessarily combat those changes because you really can't, but how to still get information that you need in order to like sell your thing and recommendations that he has to kind of work around that. We also have (laughs) at the end, a lovely TV segment where we're talking a little bit about some reality TV shows, some shows that we've been watching lately and our hot takes, but we come back around for strategy, talk strategy to me, where we have some actual takeaways for you at the very end. So stick through our little TV segment and I promise you there's <laughs> going to be some really good takeaways at the end as well.
0: Hey, Tony, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you. Excited to chat again.
0: It's been a hot minute, probably a solid year since you were on the show. We, we had you come on in the midst of the pandemic and and spend some lovely time talking about Love is Blind in addition <laughs> to Facebook ads. Um, That's but really gosh. what I'm here to talk
2: about today. That's yeah, really it's what it's we're here about
0: Stay tuned for after the episode <laughs> chats about Love is Blind. <laughs> We have recorded so many podcasts and, you know, the thing that comes up a lot is what's working today. People are always after that information. And when the world is changing, but definitely Facebook and Apple and Google, all the mayor players in the tech space are changing It means we have to be paying attention to new things when it comes to paid
1: advertising. So you were episode four fourteen. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that one because it was also good, four fourteen. Okay. It's a lot of pressure. You're
2: saying this one's gonna be good too. Also good. That's a lot of pressure before we even start. I gotta live (laughs) up to that. The
1: level that this is gonna be, I'm just confident. Yeah, I like it. It's caller shot. It's (laughs) call it call
0: it now. I mean, I know what's been happening, unfortunately, because I've (laughs) been privy to all the changes. Um, But the people in the back who are less aware of all the things that have been changing in the ad world, I'd love if you could give a little update.
2: Yeah. So the biggest change, I think, that's been happening and has everyone talking is Apple's move to really be a leader on privacy. There's also, you could be biased, there's also a business move by them as well there. But... They're taking a stance on privacy and owning your own data, which basically means though that Facebook, but every every platform, ad platform and other platforms are facing this now because Apple is so huge and so many people are using their products, whether it's Safari or their apps and ecosystem. A lot less data is now going to come back into Facebook for advertisers. So everyone who has Apple has seen this where... And Android users, this hasn't hit you yet, but Google's moving this way too, probably. Like I think in a couple of years, this will just be the new normal. But so many people are Apple users that it really has affected ad campaigns and businesses. What was happening is everybody's seen it now with, because I think everyone probably at this point has had the latest iOS update, unless they're on a phone that's old, old enough where they can't get it. Apple asks you when you log in the first time to the new iOS and you go into an app, do you want this app to allow you to, to be tracked? A lot of people hit no, just because of the question. And so that means if you say, visit your website, you can't then send an ad to that person because they visited your website, because they opted out. So you can't retarget them. It also means we're getting less data back into Facebook. So in Facebook, you can track things like if people visit a page, if people take an action, like opt in, visit a checkout or buy. If people opt out on with the new iOS privacy tracking, It doesn't mean we don't get any data, but if they opt out, we only get what we rank as the highest priority event. So if someone opts in, visits a sales page, goes to checkout, but doesn't buy, the only event we would see is a checkout event and get that attributed back to Facebook. So we're starting to lose a lot of data, especially now. It's been out long enough and enough people have gotten the new iOS where a lot of people have opted out. And so
1: I hate it. Yeah, I hate it, hate it. Wasn't It's over half of people are opting out, right?
2: I think it's significantly over half. And it's easy to do. Like I've opted out on a couple apps accidentally just because like you didn't know that you haven't opened the app since you had the iOS and you just tap a button.
0: And you don't know where to go change it again after that. And most people aren't going to bother. Personally, this is just a frustration of mine as a business owner. You know, I think most people just don't frankly understand what it even means. They don't. Because at the end of the day, it's not like as an advertiser that I get access to your address and your personal information and like, what all the actions you do online, like, and as poor as this sounds, you you kind of end up like a number and a spreadsheet like it's, I'm paying attention to big trends with large amounts of people to behaviors not people. Right. Yeah, and, and, You know, I want to know people on an individual basis when I'm serving them as a client, but until you get to that point, it's a hard to know and so you have to you, you don't have to utilize paid ads, but I think it's a really great tool if it makes sense for where your business is at.
2: I'm big on online privacy, so I do understand where people are coming from and and what Apple is doing. But I think there are a lot of people that don't fully understand how these ad platforms work because people will talk about selling data, you know, and there have been breaches like that Facebook has had privacy breaches, but like what they're actually doing with the business is allowing us as advertisers to target people, not based on anything individual, but on general characteristics, right? Like what people might be interested in. And so it lets the ads actually be tailored to people. So like I've seen people complaining now that they're getting ads that don't make any sense for them. And it's because they've opted out, right? And so there's just less data.
1: Right. I've always been in the camp of like track literally everything I do because I love being marketed to. I want you to customize my shopping experience online all of the time. And yeah. I honestly am interested to see the conversations that are coming out from people who are opting out because they don't necessarily know what it means. And then it's like, oh, wait, actually, the, the things that I've been wanting, I don't know.
2: Exactly. Get.
1: The thing that's interesting, I didn't opt
0: out. Or at least not intentionally. I'm, I'm fairly certain I haven't opted out anywhere because I do enjoy a catered experience, but I've as a user experienced that I felt like the ads were more off for me than they have been in a long time. But I'm guessing this is because we've lost so much data as to what's working that Facebook's just guessing at this point, like guessing way more than they ever have before. And they're missing the mark.
2: Right. Like and the bigger picture is, you know, like the Facebook algorithm, it's machine learning, so it uses all this data from everyone's account, not just like your business, right? But it has these pixels and it's tracking what people do and it can see what people are buying things and opting in and it knows what kind of ads to show different people. And because this data all of a sudden is like a vacuum created, the algorithm I think is spinning a little bit. And they're they're opt they're changing the algorithm. And this has happened a lot in Facebook's history with ads and all the ad platforms where they make these changes, things kind of get out of sync. They usually figure it out, right. find the way forward. With this, though, there's just going to be less data. So marketing has to be a little more broad in general. Go back to before we had this type of specific targeting.
0: Sure. Well, before we get into what might change about the ads, I am curious because this has been a question on my mind ever since it got dropped. Do you think Apple is preparing to have their own ad platform?
2: So they already have ads in the App Store. They're not very sophisticated, but like they already have ads in the App Store. And the App Store is one of the biggest stores in the world. We just, I don't think people think of it like that. No. And so I think there is a move to... I don't know if they'll ever drop their own ad network, although I've heard they seem to be possibly moving more in that direction. But they could. They could do that. They would have to follow their own privacy rules. But this is the other thing too. There's a difference between first-party and third-party cookies. And this plays a role. So I don't want to get crazy technical here, but first-party cookies is like you own the data. It's it's your website. So if someone comes to your Mm -hmm. website, you can still track them. And you can actually load that data back into Facebook because it's your data and still target a lot of those people. And so what the trend now, though, is, is these third party cookies are getting blocked by ad blockers. Apple now is letting you opt out because those are that's a Facebook pixel. And Facebook was collecting the data on your site. So it's a third party. cookie. And so but where Apple has an advantage is they own their app store. So it's first party. So everyone who puts apps in there, Apple can still have 100% data on those people and still retarget them. And they still have all that data on you. But the argument is you're visiting the app store. So you're agreeing to their terms. Whereas like if someone visits your site, they might have to look through privacy rules to figure out if you allow Facebook tracking and things like that. And that's why third-party cookies are kind of starting to go go away. I could see Apple adding an advertising piece, or ex- at least expanding what they have in the App Store.
0: Well, that's fascinating. And I, I feel like I could go down a big rabbit hole with that. But let's talk about... Because at the end of the day, Facebook and Instagram are still, in my opinion, the main ad players. Is TikTok going to become more prominent? Or are people going to rely more on Google? Because they feel like they have to get in front of people in new ways. Yeah. But with Facebook and Instagram still dominating the space, you mentioned making things a bit more general, or kind of like, I kind of think of it as like newspaper or magazine marketing, where you're kind of just putting it out there and like, putting it in front of a really large general audience and helping the right people see it. But if you guys remember, the longer newspapers and magazines are around those ads got more and more expensive and less and less effective. Right. Um. So I'm curious, what is your thoughts on how can you at least attempt to optimize in this new environment?
2: Long term, the system will figure it out a bit more. It'll learn with less data. Like Facebook is making a move now to start modeling data. So it's a little scary because Facebook's made big errors with this in the past, but they're they're starting now to try and figure out, you know, we have 50% of people from iOS, say, opting in that we have data on for you. We can then make a guess on the 50% of people we're losing, how many of those people opt in. And they're they're starting to model data in the account to give us a good guess as to how many actual leads are coming in, even if we don't know because we're losing that data. So I think long term, they're going to start getting better with that. But then as a business and as an advertiser, it's still what always works, like attract people to your audience and then get them off of these platforms. So onto your email list, nurture them. You can still run ads to them with like content and sales ads, but it becomes even more important to start. It always has been important, but owning your audience in in different ways. That has not changed.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it because if I can say anything about the way we do business, a lot of it's pretty old school, like, we still produce content, we still email our list, we, I mean, we're doing a lot of things the way like, online business started, even though there's been a ton of new strategies out there, like, we're implementing ones that I feel like you have more ownership over. But at some point, you have to not that you have to pay to play, I hate saying that. But like, Sometimes when you want to hit a certain goal, like that's the logical next step. But what does that mean in terms of creating content that works? Like if you're having less data to figure out if it's going to work or even interpreting if it's actively working, because that's probably the biggest hang up for me is it could actually be working, but you just don't know it's working because, (laughs) because it's not tracking back is what he's saying. Right. So... With that being said, like, where do you spend your time and energy? What kind of ads do you think are people spending more time pushing to places they own, like an email list and collecting a lead? Or I'm curious your take.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen any shifts yet in marketing strategy around this. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think what was working is what will still work. Okay. Honestly, what we've seen are the biggest businesses that have been affected so far are like the small business e-com companies. Mm-hmm. Because number one, like in the last five, 10 years, like e-com has exploded a with COVID and everyone being home last year. that exploded. But even before then, Facebook allowed people and the, some of the other ad platforms, but Facebook was incredible at this, like targeting niches, really like small niches yeah. and being able to hit it perfectly. So that's why like, if you've ever seen a product in your feed, and you're like, how did they make a product just for me? Like, this is the exact thing. And I've never heard of this. It's because of the targeting. But these e-com businesses, you know, they were mostly doing... If they were thinking about long-term, they were building email lists with like 10% off coupons and things like that. But there's sales. And so now that we're losing this data and the algorithm struggling, they got hit really hard by it. It's still yeah. a struggle. Whereas if you're doing lead gen you're getting them on the email list, you can at least track like if we lose some of that data that you can at least see they're on the email list, and then you can still sell via email. Mm -hmm. And you can still achieve a longer term goal. And so I think that's who we've seen be hurt the most so far by it. But all the businesses that are selling are seeing some problems right now just it is Facebook and the algorithm. But also we've been really noticing the last three months as we look at it, it really seems like 2020, a lot of people weren't traveling. They were staying home, buying online. Vaccines rolled out. People have been traveling this summer. And we're just seeing across the board like incredibly low rates of buyers compared to like Mm -hmm. what we've seen in previous years. And so we're really curious to see what happens when everyone's back from travel in the fall, school's back in session, to see where that stabilizes. Because even now, we're not totally sure how much of this is because of the iOS change and how much is just like bigger trends happening. We do know like we're losing data and it's harder to track some of this, but we don't know if loss in performance is, you know, how much is tied to iOS changes and how much is just like basically two years of summer piled into one summer.
0: Right. That kind of behavior is just unprecedented. Like we just don't have any (laughs) history as to how that impacts things. I am curious, we've been in our attempt to regain control over analytics, because I'm a big numbers guru over here. We have been working hard to take more advantage of Google Analytics, implementing what are called UTM codes. And I'm curious your thoughts on leveraging analytics and email tagging and stuff like that to take advantage once they are in your world, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I've always been a big fan and believer in getting all of the data you can, but it is a big project, right? So depending on the size of your business, where you can actually focus and have energy, like building that out can be a huge ordeal. But we now, with all of this shift in the ad space, we are talking to more and more clients about doing that. We'll create simple setups for clients. We actually have done it before. We've rolled out like a big Google Tag Manager analytics project for certain clients. That's much more robust, but even with simple analytics and UTM tracking, they'll get a lot more data. And it lets, if you're running ads, but even on the organic side, it lets you compare what you're seeing in one account to another and have an apples to apples comparison. I don't know how many people use Google Tag Manager in your audience or know about it, but it basically, if you want to do a lot more complicated tracking and stitch a lot of things together and it makes life easier too, if you're placing all these pixels, it's a really powerful free tool from Google. So. It's a great thing to explore. But even with some yeah. setups, it can work.
0: We definitely, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, you know, we figured it all out on our own. Even though I'm a huge analytics person, love reports, love all that, I find Google pretty overwhelming and their back end systems are very. The only nice way to put it is developer-focused, I suppose. They're just not really built to be user-friendly. And not that they're not easy once you understand what you're doing. But a lot of times you look at it and you're like, this is Latin. Like, I just don't have any clue what they mean by any of this. So I know for us, it was sort of a mixture of pulling in some SEO experts, but some people also really specifically with background knowledge on Google and the analytics and building out a dashboard of sorts so that we could get a better gauge on what is and isn't working. I think the interesting piece that is probably the most time intensive, at least for our team, has been adding the tagging to all our existing links because we're cross sharing so much of our content on multiple platforms and in multiple ways. And the biggest issue we've had. I mean, for years, (laughs) it's been like, well, we can tell, you know, up until some of these changes rolled out, we could tell, oh, this definitely was an ad, or this definitely was organic. But now we're like, it might have been an ad, (laughs) or it might have been organic. But then like, breaking down organic into well, when you have a blog and an email and a podcast and free traffic from Google, and paid traffic from ads, and <laughs> Pinterest, it started to get a little murky as to like, what's actually working? Where do we need to be spending more of our time? Because we're seeing obvious fruits of our labor. I don't have the answer
1: yet. I'm st- <laughs> We're still working on it. Hopefully soon, we will have that and we'll get to report on it.
2: If people are like interested in using UTMs or UTMs, you've seen them. Basically, if you look at a URL and there's a question mark and there's a bunch of stuff after it, everything after the question mark is identifiers. And UTMs are just specific framework for like how to like say, like what's the source of the traffic? What's the campaign? What's the name of this promotion or what you want to call it? So that way in analytics, that comes through and you can sort by different sources and have that data. I would say for people, if they're interested, you can start simple. Like you can just start with anything new. Put a UTM in there yeah. and see what it looks like in analytics. If you like it, you can start adding it to other, like all your email funnels and things like that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a project. The nice thing though, I will say, when you delegate it, it was, Jared's like, I rolled it out for two months worth of podcasts and blogs in an hour and a half. <laughs> I was like- Fantastic, oh. thank I was, you. I wouldn't have had time for that. Yeah. And no. it would have taken me way longer. Yeah. So having the right people to help is definitely- after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/strategy. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I am curious, you mentioned something in your intake form about M E R Marketing efficiency ratio. What the heck is that, bro?
2: You need to have a business where I think you have a lot of organic and paid traffic coming in. It's a very high level measure of kind of marketing health. Uh-huh. And basically you just look at your all of your marketing spend. So you could just do ad spend, but it's really like if you have a marketing team, whatever you pay for all of your marketing efforts, uh-huh. divide it into your revenue. And typically it's on a month by month basis. So, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have a membership, you could, you have multiple sources of revenue, so you could do it for everything, but it's a way to get a sense, even if you can't track where all these sales are coming from, it gives you a view into a percentage. So if if it's like 30%, say all of your marketing costs then equal, you know, it's 30% of your total revenue for the month. And if that's Mm -hmm. a number you're happy with, you can at least track that month to month. And so if you spend double on ads, but then your revenue goes up enough where you're still in about that 30% range, ads must have had some effect even if you're losing a lot of that tracking. So it's another kind of check on are things working without having to totally have attribution throughout the funnel.
0: Well, that was definitely something, even if I didn't know that's what it was called. Yes, That is definitely something we have to rely on occasionally, especially when when we have affiliate partners we work with. We can't implement pixel tracking anyway. And so we kind of just have to wait. And sometimes the wait is two weeks, 30 days, 45 days. But I'm happy to report in July, we upped our spend and the money, even though we didn't get paid in July because it's an affiliate partner. It worked that's the only assumption I can make because I, again, don't have a lot of information. I just don't (laughs) have any way to know you have to go kind of based on a gut (laughs) when you look at, well, this compared to this compared to this, this is the only real inference I can make about it. So
2: it's good to get granular, but sometimes like you can, you're never going to have perfect information, even with an unbelievable like Google tag manager and analytics setup where it's like stitching all of your sites together and you have UTMs. Google Analytics defaults to, I think, last click attribution, right? So like if someone came from an ad, but then bought from an email, the email is going to get the credit. You can do things where you look at like assisted conversions and see, but it's still not perfect. And so you're never going to have that. So it's nice to have some kind of measure like you already had. It sounds like you were doing something like the marketing efficiency ratio. Yeah. It's good to have all these different checks to be like, I like to have sanity checks to be like, does this number actually make sense? Right. Analytics could be like, ads are doing incredibly well, but then you're like, well, we're spending more money than we're making this month. That can't really be true. Right. It's good to have that. Yeah. Counterpoint.
1: That's never happened to us before. <laughs> I mean, it definitely happened before we hired yeah, Tony. Let me be clear. Yeah, not that's recently. What I, was say. I don't, I don't Not recently. That. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have a lot of listeners who are thinking of exploring into more paid traffic for their high-end services, for their high-end coaching programs or whatever it might be, but who are just like kind of dipping their toes in. I would be terrified if I was starting ads right now. And if I didn't like have an amazing team, but also years of history of kind of knowing that it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So for someone who is like just starting in the Facebook ad world for their existing business, what advice would you give them?
2: I mean, there's a lot of people chatting now about Facebook and how it has gotten more difficult. The basics of it, though, have not really changed. You know, If you have a group program or a high-level paid program, something like that, or a coach, if you are selling organically, if people are opting in to what you're offering, if they're signing up for calls, if that's how you're selling, and they're buying from you and you have your numbers, you can do some math to figure out like, how much is this lead worth to me? How much can I pay? Mm -hmm. If that's happening, ads will still work for you for the most part. Like... We've worked with clients where they don't have time to do it organically so they're willing to pay for it. That is always a bit of a crapshoot. you know usually with those clients we tell them very honestly like we don't do like three six month contracts. We tell them you really want three months and we're gonna test this a bunch of different ways and we're gonna see how the traffic flows through the funnel and, and work with you to optimize it. but like we don't know if people want your offer. We don't know if this is the right audience. But when clients come to us and they can show us funnel metrics, where they're like, I'm converting, people are buying. Usually your ad traffic then can get close to what you're doing organically. Or you can see that it doesn't and you'll have those numbers and be like, this works organically, but maybe people need more time. So I need to do something differently with my ads.
0: Yeah, you need to prep them more or warm them up in a way to get them ready for that switch.
2: But yeah, we just brought on a client this last month who has a very high level group program not very high ad spend, but when you have a higher paid program, you can make the ROI work with lower ad spend. His organic funnel, and he'd been doing ads himself, was converting really well. He was just getting such high costs himself that it didn't make sense. Like it, it was too expensive to get a call. But I looked at the funnel and like, you know, he was getting, you know, like forty percent of people were hitting his landing page and joining a webinar. 30% were signing up for a call from the webinar and he was converting like 30% of those people. So all those numbers mathed out, we did some things on the ad side that, you know, with experience, if you looked at the account, you would know to do, we got his lead costs down and now his funnel's working the same, but its lead costs are like one-tenth what they were. And so now it's like the math works, right? And so now he's had, you know, five or six sales of a couple thousand dollar program this month. And so for people that have funnels that are working organically, ads can still Mm -hmm. work and that hasn't changed but there are a lot of factors happening especially this summer so that's what we're waiting to see
1: mm-hmm. i'll be really interested to see how this fall like pans out
2: yeah you know i have a friend she has a really high end group program of a couple hundred people in it all business owners six figures or more they've all basically had i think really bad or difficult last two or three months with sales and they're basically they're everyone is saying don't make any decisions like big decisions on business or marketing strategy right now based on the results. So, you know, if someone's out there and they've launched something and it isn't doing well or they tried ads and it wasn't selling, you might want to circle back in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very weird environment, just even outside like the iOS changes.
0: Very few times is your offer the actual issue. Like, there's so many other factors at play. Like, it could be your messaging, it could be, you warming your up your audience it could be like how you're appealing to their desires like there's so many things out there and not that you can't like totally miss the mark and come out with something that you think people need but that's not what they actually want we've done that too but (laughs) rarely is it the actual offer that's the problem so I think it's usually worth circling back on now would I uh, pull a Mister Wonderful and tell you to take it out back and shoot it? Maybe, Maybe. but rarely. Also, he went to therapy and is working on it. <laughs> so I think I think I might uh, <laughs> be nice too. Before we jump into some strategy, you said specifically before we got on the call we need to circle back to a TV moment. So, well, I feel like
1: I'm the only one who's watched after the altar.
2: I haven't watched that. I haven't
1: seen it. I haven't watched
2: a lot of reality TV lately. It should
1: have been the prerequisite to this interview. Yeah. What about like
2: Bridgerton or something like that?
1: Oh, that was golden. Yeah,
2: that was like golden. So good. Yeah, that was a little. uh, That was like our Saturday morning show for a while, but that was a little too uh, explicit for Saturday morning. It was, it was a little a,
1: saucy for a Saturday yeah, morning. Hard to,
2: hard to eat your like Wheaties and peanut butter toast. Uh-huh. That. uh-huh. So we... Have
1: you watched Ted Lasso? <laughs> oh,
2: I love Ted Lasso. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. We, do Abby, you know...
1: have you watched it yet? No. Really? Get on it. It's hard. I feel like it's hard to
2: find people who haven't watched it at this point. Mm-hmm. No. It's so wow. good. It's the first show sure. we we my wife and I ever. Watched and then within one month rewatched the first season again. Like we finished the first re-watched. season and we rewatched the first season again because it was just and it was even better. It was so yep. good. <laughs>
1: was we got better. Apple TV for Ted last year that we hadn't mm-hmm. had a subscription yet. So
2: yeah,
1: it's worth it. It's good. It's a nice feel good show. It's just it's perfect. You guys need to watch After the Altar though because it's like the follow up. You know, two years later after. Everyone is like oh my married gosh. or because this is the follow up to the the blind yeah to love is blind yeah love and is so blind. it's okay. got like Amber and Barnett and it's got <laughs> Jessica oh. who comes it's got Cameron and Lauren and it's just. It's so well, I good. know what I'm doing tonight.
2: I might have to check it out because that was... I
1: think there's like three or four, but it's like all like just through one night. They yeah. like, do a regroup, whatever. There's some drama with what's his butt, Gigi, and what's his name? Damien. Who's oh, a yeah. total tool. Uh, so it's very... It's so Oh, this so is good. a good
2: tease. Okay. I'll have to check it out because I we watched that show and I got like so worked up about it. It got... I was like hating some of those people. Yeah, it brought those... my husband
1: back in. We're we're not reality TV people, but for some reason we just like dove straight into that show. Yeah. And so I made him watch After the Altar. I was like, you have to watch this. So we're sitting on the couch and he's like yelling at the TV like, oh, it was so great. It was so good.
2: Yeah, we don't watch a lot of reality TV. I went through a big Bachelorette phase. Like I never watched The Bachelor, but I, I watched like five seasons of The Bachelorette a couple years ago. For some reason, I liked that way more. I thought it was funnier.
0: Oh, well, if you liked that show, oh gosh, what is it freaking called? It's basically...
1: It's a drama based on the oh, behind the scenes. It. Oh, what yes. would be? That's a great yes. show. Oh gosh, what's it called? Um, I know what you're talking about. Everyone's uh, yelling at their phone right now. <laughs> oh, so good! If you haven't seen it, I actually
0: liked it way better than watching yes. the Bachelor. Like yes. a lot more, mostly because I like love seeing behind the scenes it's, stuff. It's, well, that and manipulation. I think it's
2: made. <laughs> It's made by like an ex, either like junior or regular producer of The Bachelor. So it actually, it's a fictional show, but about the production of like a Bachelor type show. So it's like behind the scenes. But after I watched that, it changed how I watched all of these shows because you can see all of the producer manipulation.
0: You can see it happening. And then you're like, what really happened? Or like, "What, what was the actual conversation? What did they splice out and... I'm sure a lot of these people aren't as crazy as they appear well, on I, television. I remember we
2: watched that. What was that show called? That's going to bug me. True? Was it True, true something? Mm, it let's see if I can TV. Google it. That's a great show. After I watched it, we watched like The Bachelor or Bachelorette or something like that. And there was a scene where they made one of the women look crazy. Unreal. Because- Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. There was a raccoon on her balcony and she was like having a tearful conversation with this raccoon. After we had watched Unreal... I 100%. I was like, there was a producer there the whole time. Yeah. And then at some point during that night, a raccoon popped up and she said, oh, hey, raccoon. And then they stitched it together because all they showed was her (laughs) saying, hey, raccoon, and then her crying on the balcony talking (laughs) to like (laughs) – But when you watched it, you're like, she's crazy. She's having a tearful conversation with a raccoon. But 100% a producer was there.
1: If you love Unreal, then there's a whole side of TikTok where there's like ex reality stars Ooh. like from America's top model, from like so many reality shows who are on there who are like saying, Here's how this scene actually happened, here's mm. the oh, behind the scenes. It is enthralling.
2: TikTok is crazy because that algorithm, it's like you everyone I know has a completely separate life on TikTok yes. because like yes. I like my wife only gets like golden retriever videos like and, <laughs> and so like her morning is spent just looking like 10 minutes just looking at all the goofy so dog peaceful. videos. Mine is like a lot of golf videos on TikTok and like pranks. It just started oh, happening but like it's I, I can't I,
1: watch pranks, it gives me anxiety. Yeah,
2: the TikTok pranks are weird. They're like not even pranks. They're just like scary or mean. But like it just keeps giving them to me. Probably cuz like I'm looking at it and I just cuz you're watching. Yeah. It. They yeah. Keep yeah. It to Mine
0: God. is mental health TikTok.
2: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> That's yeah, actually it, it, that feels it. like it's actually helpful.
0: I get a lot of therapists, people like body positivity people,
1: women minus conspiracy like, theories and behind yeah. the scenes of things. Of course like, it is. Period.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah everything it's makes It's fascinating. Sense about this. One of our quarantine pandemic activities that we did, this is TV related, was uh, we got into Survivor. Like I used to I only ever watched the first like two seasons of Survivor. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them are on Hulu. And so mm-hmm. we found a list of like, because there's 40 seasons now, or 42 so seasons. Many. So I found a list of like Jeez. the top half, like the best seasons. So we kind of just skipped and went in order, of like just the best seasons that people ranked. But my wife and I made it a fantasy football draft, but with yes. Survivor. So we'd watch the first episode until they voted someone out, and before they did the vote, we would pause it because now we knew who everybody was, and we would go back and forth drafting people. And then we came up with a point system. This is like peak quality. I love
1: this so yeah. much. We came up with a
2: point system. So it was like if they get voted out, you lose a point. If they win the whole thing, that's like 20. If they find an immunity idol, that's a bonus five. If they use it correctly, it was like this whole spreadsheet, like sheet we had. And it was like intense when your person got like surprise voted off. Highly recommend it if you're like, I love that. But, yeah.
1: We just decided to watch West Wing twice, is what we did. Oh,
2: I used to love the West Wing. I've watched that so many Such times. Such a good
1: show. Yeah. So good. My husband has like
0: this weird thing where he refuses to rewatch anything. Oh, like we don't rewatch shows or movies. And I used to be the kind of person that would, I rewatched Legally Blonde a thousand, <laughs> thousand times, Clueless a thousand times, that. all the like Julia Roberts movies oh, a thousand yeah. times. And then I met my
1: husband, he's like, I've seen it. I'm done. Never want to I'm see done. it again. I'm like, what? Which makes it really hard to pick TV, by the, the way. The amount of times I've watched You've Got Mail just over and over and over. And over. Oh, yeah. So good. Sure. Classic. Oh, I love that. Well, that was TV Corner. Thank you for- Is any of this I'm making it now. into
2: the podcast? Is any of this- yeah. well, Absolutely. Oh, okay. All of it here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Every uh, second. <laughs> do Do we want to do talk strategy to me? What What do we feel like would be helpful for our listeners? I would
0: say- if you are wanting to put yourself out there, regardless of you know, what's going on with the current updates, what are the like, top 2 or 3 things you'd focus on in terms of strategies?
2: We have some clients that are more launch-focused and you know, we'll meet with prospects that mostly just do launches. Now more than ever, we've seen clients that are doing evergreen opt-ins and sales perform better and be more sustainable as far as performance. I think some of that is you're always growing your audience and getting them on your email list and not trying to like bank it all in one like two or three week period. But also because you always had sales coming in, you know you might not be getting as much data back, but you're getting consistent data still. So like it is helping the algorithm and is helping kind of the system figure things out. And it's much easier to scale something that's like always on and you can monitor it and make tweaks and test creative where instead of doing like one big promotion only. Ads need to be working for you to go evergreen, but if you are doing launches, but you have something that could be evergreen, getting that going for ads is really helping, especially now. That's who we're seeing perform the most consistently right now is clients that have a pretty solid evergreen base.
1: Yeah. I think there's just way too many variables to compare live launches with ads, like the literal time of year. Yeah. Like that has such a big factor on how things perform. That It's really
2: hard. Right. Yeah. Right. I think so many people still are afraid to do video. And we always try and, and- it's just harder. Video is harder, 100%. Especially like when clients want to do TikTok ads, that's a whole other world. You got to get ready to dance oh, and do all the, you, can't even. you know, do the memes and stuff. But video is harder. You're putting yourself out there. Everyone feels pressure to look perfect and have like the lighting and like a video camera. And we try and tell clients, you know, if they're up for it, it should look as casual as possible most of the time. You know, handheld, how you do it on your own personal story. We usually see those do really well. If you're up for it and getting in front of the camera, doing stories and video ads can work great. But you don't have to do video either. So sometimes clients will come to us saying like, I heard videos like the best I want to do video. And they're just not great. At video, you know, like <laughs> they just suck at it, right? So I like they're just, you know, you. <laughs> they're like reading a script slowly, or mm. they're like just they—they're not being engaging. And so, you know, figure out what works for you. You don't have to do video, but I would give it a try if you haven't done it yet. And stories specifically.
0: Oh, stories for sure. One of the things. Now, granted, this just may be the like corner of the internet I've landed on, but I've seen a lot of a lot more video that doesn't have people in it recently. And I'll be curious to see if that sticks around. Like, especially since Canva dropped the ability to kind of edit graphics on their platform into short video, I'll be interested to see if it wasn't you talking, the second best alternative was like a GIF where it was just kind of like moving. And now you can create these 15 second videos where like maybe it's just a mock up of the thing you offer. But it wiggles.
2: <laughs> right. And it's engaging, right? It's doing something. It's different than an in image. Right. So people stop the scroll. It also from the ad side, it, it's a video, which means you can retarget people who watch it. And going back to the like all the privacy changes, anything that happens on the Facebook ad, we still have a hundred percent view because it's that's a first party cookie to Facebook, because you're on Facebook, yeah. so Facebook has all that. So a video view on Facebook, Facebook captures every person that watches it. So you can mm-hmm. still get in front of people. So like video has a lot of benefits that work well.
1: I guess we need to do more video.
2: We'd love more video. We'd love more. We could make some more too, though. We could try some non, you know, videos of you. Yeah. Yeah. The casual videos work. If you ever want to just grab the phone and yeah. walk around. and.
0: I feel like we need to
1: call that girl. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah. I feel like we Just need to feel hold like- some chickens in a video for the co-op. My God, uh, yes. Please. <laughs> Can we go pet some chickens and run out to the
2: co-op? <laughs> that would be really good, actually. That And that'd be, that would fit the co-op brand, right? Like a co-op. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I um, that. have also thought about dancing chicken nuggets. Yeah. But, that would know, work. I am. Um, <laughs> it's both sides of the chicken. That might be triggering for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> for some people. I, I uh, respect. All eating <laughs> choices. Nice, <laughs> no, except except cannibalism. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know what I don't know how this went south so quickly, but thank you so much, Tony, for being <laughs> here to talk about ads in 2021, our take on reality TV today. And, and some
2: some yeah. quick but tips. on the record, Abigail, on the record, you are anti-cannibalism. Is that correct? <laughs> I, for the record. You want that on the I, record? I
0: um prefer you don't eat me, yes. Okay. Um, that'd be great. Yeah, But for those of you who like Tony as much as we do, where can they find you online? And if they're interested in working with Intentional Spark, where can they check you out?
2: Our website is intentionalspark.com. You can, there's a button there to contact us. There's a form you can fill out. There's a question there about what you need help with. You could say, you know, Boss Project sent me and I'll be happy to hop on the phone and chat with you for 25 minutes to talk about strategy. We have a full team. You guys work with Jack and Dania and Meg and all of us. So we bring a lot of different brains to the uh, problems we face. So,
0: looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless.